Matthew chapter number 25. While you're turning, if you haven't heard yet, uh, we finally got the results back on the test and we're all clear. All clear. So I thank God for that. Only thing is now I don't get no more sympathy from Tammy. All I can say is good while it lasted. Amen. I milked it for all it was worth. All right. Matthew chapter number 25. I want to say this, man. I I just, whoo, it feels good in here today. Uh, There is no substitute than for being in the house of God, worshiping together with God's church family. Now, thank God, thank God for technology. I do. I thank God for technology because when you're sick and you're not able to meet and be there, you still get some of it. But let me just say, you only get some of it. And if you're missing this, you, 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 you're missing it. I'm just telling you. Uh, this has already encouraged me to get back in the fight and get ready for Monday and the devil. And somebody say amen. 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 Matthew 25. I tell you what. I tell you what. Here's what we're going to do. Go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down because we've got a lot of reading. And I know you get antsy when we read a lot and you're wanting to sit down. <clears throat> And I know that because I used to do that. I think, man, how many verses is he going to read before he lets me sit down? Amen. Uh, here's, here's, and I want to do this. I, I want to kind of, I want to kind of spill the beans before, before we get to the end of the, the outline. Usually we, we, we like a crescendo at the end, but I want to go ahead and tell you the point before we get to the points, because I don't want you wondering All right. Throughout this lesson, I don't want you wondering what the point that Jesus is trying to make. Now, here's what I mean by that. Jesus, this is a continuation. Chapter 25 is a continuation of chapter 24. It is called the Olivet Discourse. Say that with me. It just means the teaching that he gave the disciples on the Mount of Olives. That's all that means. It's just a fancy way of saying that. The disciples asked Jesus a question. They asked, when is the destruction of the temple? He said, when are these things going to be? Because Jesus told them in the beginning of chapter number 24 that the temple would be destroyed. And they're wanting to know, when is the end? When will the end times be? What are the signs? What are the signs and what are the times? What are the signs and what are the times? Say that with me. What are the and what are the now? As you remember last time, two weeks ago, we was in chapter 24. Uh, he, he gave them the signs and we're not going to rehash all that. But the main thing he kept telling them, if you look in your notes, Matthew 24, 42, watch therefore, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Matthew 24, 44, therefore be ye also ready. Come on, everybody. Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the son of man cometh. Matthew 24, 50. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him in an hour that he is not aware of. Now, what's the point? Jesus over and over and over again says, you're not going to know the time. You just need to be ready. And 25 is a continuation of that theme. Over and over, he keeps in just, just emphasizing the importance of being ready. Be ready. All right. Now, so that's, that's, that's one point. Another point that I need you to understand. So you're not wondering and wondering is there's only two types of people. There's only two types of people. There's the lost and there's the saved. And in these illustrations given here, you'll have, you'll have 10, you'll have 10. 
uh, the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. The wise are saved and the foolish are lost. Okay? These are not, these are not five good Christians and five bad Christians. Oh, are y'all with me? It's five saved and, and then you have the three servants that we're going to read about. The three servants. Two are faithful and the other is not. This doesn't mean that two are faithful saved people and one is an unfaithful saved person. No, 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 no. A saved person doesn't get cast into outer darkness. Are y'all with me? These are two saved and one lost. Now he is emphasizing, he is emphasizing the point that in the church today, there's going to be wheat and tares, wheat and tares. What is a wheat and a tear? A tear looks just like the wheat when it's coming up. But the difference between the wheat and the tares is the wheat produces fruit. And that means, let me just get it down to, down to where we're at today. How do we apply it today? Everybody in here, everybody in here is not wheat. There's, there's some tares among us. Everybody in here is not wise. There's some foolish in here. Everybody in here is not faithful servants. Some are slothful and wicked. And we're going to distinguish the two today. What's the point? Just because you profess Christ doesn't mean you possess Christ. Now you say, why are you trying to make us doubt your salvation? No, I'm not trying to make you doubt anything, but I sure want you to be sure. Over and over, the Bible teaches us, make your calling and election sure. It's not, it's not enough to profess. It's not enough just to go to church. Listen, it's not enough just to show up and enjoy it. Do you have what it takes? Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen, John Wooden said, confidence comes from being prepared. Benjamin Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Malcolm Carter said, be ready. You won't have time to get ready. Jim Elliott said this, when it comes time to die, make sure all you got to do is die. You know what point he's trying to make? Don't, don't, don't have there a list of things you need to get right before you die. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. We don't know the hour. We don't know the day. We don't know the time when our Lord will return. We have to be ready. We need to be ready. We need to be watching. We need to be alert. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Chapter 25, verse one. Let's read. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened. In other words, he's given you an illustration. He's given you a picture. He said, this is what it's going to be like. It's likened unto ten virgins which to, uh, took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, 
But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And now this is a key. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore. Here's the point. Verse 13. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the son of man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is as. Now he's giving you another picture. He's giving you another illustration. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. And went and hid the talent in the earth, and lo, here thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou what? Wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. In other words, interest. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents, for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he that shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Anytime you see weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's always associated with hell, with eternal punishment, eternal damnation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us today. Lord, it's been so good to be in your house, so good to be able to sing to you and worship you and praise you. It's so good to be in concert with your children and singing together, worshiping you. Lord, please help me to deliver your word as, as you have given it to me this week. I pray that you don't let me say anything I shouldn't and don't let me forget anything I should. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my words and my thoughts. Forgive us of everything that would offend you. Forgive us of our failures. Forgive us of our disobedience. Forgive us of our rebellion. Forgive us of wrong thoughts or behaviors. Anything that would hinder you from having free reign in this service, Lord, please wash it away. Cover us with the blood of Christ, I pray. Put a hedge about this place. Don't let Satan hinder anything. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. 
Listen, chapter 25 is, like, as I said, a continuation of chapter number 24. They wanted to know the time. They wanted to know when is all this going to take place. Jesus doesn't want you to know the time because he knows our rebellious hearts. He said, a wicked generation seeketh the sign. An adulterous, adulterous generation. What is an adulterer? Someone who cheats on their spouse. And God knows in our humanity, if we knew the exact time and the exact date, we'd live like idiots up until the day and then get right. Uh Uh-huh. Come on, just go ahead and shake your head right now. We don't know the time and we still have a tendency to do that. But we see two pictures here, two illustrations that Jesus gives, two parables if you want to use that word. And he wants to describe what it's like. This is what it's going to be like to help us get a greater understanding of the time of his return. And first we have a wedding occasion. We have a wedding occasion. And I'm going to give you, I got a lot of stuff here. It's it's again, again, like last time it was, it's more like a Wednesday night Bible study, very detailed. So I want you to get it because so you can get the whole picture. First of all, write this down. A, we see the picture. We see the picture Jesus is laying out for us. The picture Jesus is describing. He's given us a picture of a wedding, a wedding. Now, to help us understand what he's trying to say here, there's really three parts to a wedding in that day. In that day, first of all, there's three parts. There's the wedding agreement. It's when the fathers, the fathers of the bride and groom would come together and make an agreement on the, the, the joining of their children. Thank God we don't live in that day today. Say amen. But they would come and make an agreement. Sometimes, sometimes it would be a financial agreement. Sometimes the, 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 the young man would have to pony up for a good young woman. Say amen. But the agreement was made. The agreement was made. That's the first step. Second step would be the betrothal ceremony. The betrothal ceremony where they are betrothed or engaged to each other. And it was a ceremony just like a wedding. And legally, legally, they were legally married. They they could not come together yet. They could not consummate the marriage yet. But legally, it would take a, a, a divorce to separate them at that particular point. Now, after the betrothal, after that ceremony, the, the husband-to-be, the bridegroom, would then go and prepare a place for his, for his bride. Doesn't the Bible say in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to, I go to prepare you a place. That's what that's talking about. You see, the the bridegroom would go and prepare. He would go build a home. Usually it would be on the side of his father's house. And he would build their their wedding place, their, their, their marriage place, their home to be. And when he was through preparing the place, while he's preparing the home, the, the bride would be preparing for the bridegroom to come. And they would have, they would have, the bridesmaids would usually be, would usually be chaste, unmarried young women. So we see the 10 virgins. These are, these are women, friends of hers, people in the community. Uh, Listen, the whole community would be a part of this deal. And so while the bridegroom, bridegroom is away preparing the place, the, what the, the bride and the bridesmaids are waiting for his return to take and finalize the celebration, finalize the ceremony, and then consummate the marriage. And so what we have here is a picture 
of a wedding. We find the bridesmaids are here. It is their responsibility to have lamps available and to provide light. If it is a dark time when the, when the, when the bridegroom comes, the, the announcement's made, hey, the bridegroom is here. The bridegroom is here. Then all the bridesmaids would get up together, trim their lamps, light it, and, and go down the street announcing, celebrating the marriage of their friend. If that makes sense, say amen. Now, first of all, we see the picture. Secondly, B, we see the participants. The participants, verse 2 and 4. The Bible says that they were... 10 of them that Jesus describes 10 verse two and five of them were wise and five were they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in the vessels with their lamps. So he distinguishes what, what causes them, what causes them, what distinguishes the wise from the foolish. It's the possession of oil, oil. Now, let me go ahead and let me go ahead and speed this up a little bit. What is, what does the oil represent in this store? Obviously we know the bride and, 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 and the, 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 the bridesmaids represent the church and, and profess Christians. The bridegroom is Christ. Amen. When he comes, the church is the bride of Christ. But what does the oil represent? The oil represents the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit. Look at the bottom of your notes there. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says, then Samuel took the horn of, come on everybody, the horn of, and anointed him in the midst of his brother, talking about David, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day. So when he anointed him with oil, it was an outward picture, an outward illustration of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When the, when the oil fell upon him and then absorbed into his body, That is a type of the Holy Spirit coming upon him and entering and dwelling in King David. If that makes sense, say amen. First John 4, 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his, his spirit. John 14, 17. Even the, come on everybody, even the. Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be. Now, their vessels, their vessels, their lamps, their lamps, if you will, their lamps were vessels, but inside the vessel was what? Oil, or was supposed to be oil. Now, you are a vessel. You are a vessel. What does the lamp do? It produces light. Produces light. Are you seeing this? Every child of God is a vessel used to produce light. Let your light so shine so that the world can see your good works and glorify the Father. Are y'all with me? So we see the the, the need for oil. What described or what defined whether they were wise or foolish. The wise had oil and the foolish had no oil. All right, see, we see the problem. We see the picture, the participants see the problem. Verse five, verse five. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out. 
But the wise answer say, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather unto them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they were that were ready. They that were they that were went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, I verily I say unto you, I know you not. So what is the problem? They were unaware. The Bible says that they were slumbering and sleeping. What is the, what is the, what is the, 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 the point here? We do not know when Jesus is coming. Matter of fact, even if he tarried his coming, we don't know when you're going. We don't know when you're going. We're not promised tomorrow. Are y'all with me? Listen, they were unaware. They were unprepared. They had no oil. For whatever reason, they had no oil, whether they procrastinating, whether they felt like they had plenty of time, whether they didn't think, well, he's not going to be coming in the near future. We'll, we'll have time later. But then unable, unable. Preacher, what are you saying? Verse nine. Verse nine is very intriguing. You see, the foolish looked at the wise and said, give us some of yours. Give us some of yours. But in verse nine, it says, no, we can't do that. Because if we give you some of yours or ours, you, you, we won't, neither one of us will have enough. Both of our lamps will go. And here's the point. Here's the point. Everybody pay attention. This is really important. This is really important. You cannot get in on someone else's salvation. I don't have enough oil in me for me and you both. In other words, let me make it real simple and plain. Just because I had a preaching daddy and a shouting mama, that didn't mean I was in. Because their salvation is not enough for me. Everyone must possess their own oil. You're not going to go to heaven because your daddy was saved. You're not going to go to heaven because your mama was saved. You're not going to go to heaven because your best friends go to church and shout and sing in the choir. No, sir. It is a personal, individual need. Everyone needs their own oil. Are y'all with me? There'll be no sharing. I can't get saved for you. If I could, I, listen, I, 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 I would do, I'd just do it for all of y'all. Whether you own it or not, I'd force you. But that's not the way this works. You have to have your own. Look at this, the peril. D, the peril. Let's, re, let's review. A, the picture. Everybody say it quick, 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 quick. A, the B, the C, the D, the, the peril. First of all, we see a frantic pursuit. Verse 10. Hurry, 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 hurry. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Then a futile plea. Verse 11. Afterward came also the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. There's going to be a lot of people, kind of like the people outside the ark, that's going to want in after it's too late. A futile plea. Then a frightening proclamation. Verse 12. 
But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, say it with me, I know you not. Now watch this. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. They all look the same. They all look like they were part of the wedding party. But in reality, in reality, when the bridegroom looked at him, he said, I I, I don't know you. I don't know you. They were, listen now, they were counterfeit. They were imposters. They came and sat beside you in church. They sang with you when you sang. They might have even raised their hand when you raised your hand. They may have, they may have been involved in service. Because Jesus said there's going to be many who said, we cast out devils in your name. We did this in your name and that in your name. And he's going to say, sorry, I never knew you. What distinguishes the wheat from the tares? What distinguishes, what distinguishes the wise from the foolish? What distinguishes those who will get in and those who will be left out? The presence of oil. Man, I hope you're getting this. Is the Holy Spirit in you? Do you have the presence of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you? There, there is no comparison. There's no if, ands, or buts. There's no, there, no, is he in you? So how do I know if he's in me? Well, what happened? What happened to the foolish virgins? Because they didn't have oil. Their lamps went out. They could not produce light. They didn't have the ability to produce light. But when you, whoo, when you have oil, the light will shine. The light will be bright. You will have the ability to produce light in your life. Some of you have been struggling and struggling and struggling to live right and do right and act right, even to have the want to. And the problem is, is you're trying to burn without oil. You're trying to live the Christian life without the presence of the power that you need to live it. And that is the sweet Holy Ghost. You got to have the spirit. You have to have the power of God and the power of God comes with the presence of God. God knew we couldn't do this thing by ourselves. He knew we couldn't live this life the way we are supposed to. He, we could not be Christ-like. We could not be holy without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, some of you are playing games and you need the Holy Ghost. You tell me how somebody, you tell me how somebody can come sing Amazing Grace and, and, and just, just, just be a part of everything here and then go shack up and live in sin and have no repercussions and no, no conviction about it whatsoever. I'll tell you how. They don't have the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost will convict you of sin. We have people professing Christ and living ungodly, professing Christ and shacking up, professing Christ and stealing from their balls, professing Christ and cussing up a storm. I'm telling you, if that doesn't bother you, you don't have no oil. 
Because the Holy Ghost brings conviction. The Holy Ghost will make you feel bad. Let me just explain what that means. If y'all, y'all don't know Christianese, you will feel bad when you do something stupid. Me and my wife can get into it and have a discussion. And I can leave the house and sling gravel. I know none of y'all ever do that. Get to the church and open my Bible. Because I got to study. You see, I got to be right with God at least twice a week. And I read and read and read and nothing. Nothing. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, really? You going to act like that and you think I'm going to talk to you? I'm sorry. (laughs) You laugh. But if you don't have that same problem, I check up. If you can talk any old way to your spouse and and, and do that and not have issues, you you might want to check your vessel, see if you got any oil. Amen. Mm Mm-hmm. What's the point? That's E, by the way. The picture, the participants, the problem, the peril, the... What's the point? Verse 13, he gives you the point. Watch therefore. Watch therefore. For ye know not, or you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Two things. Be ready. Because, number two, you don't know. You don't know. The whole point of that is, listen, be ready because you're not going to have time to get ready. They procrastinate for whatever reason. For whatever reason. The point is they didn't have no oil. Whether they put it off, whether they procrastinated, whether they thought they could get in by somebody else's oil, whatever reason, They didn't have no oil and they ran out of oil, but time, time. Listen, number two. So we learn from this that in order to be ready, it requires the possession of oil, right? You have to have the Holy Spirit. So here's the point. Here's the simplest point. If you're going to be ready when Jesus comes back, you got to be saved. You got to be saved. Say it with me. You got to be you got to be saved. I didn't say religious. I didn't say a church attender. I said saved. Bonafide. Sure enough. Full of the Holy Ghost. Because we know you can look like all the rest of them. We know that you can profess. You can have your little, you can have your little lamp with you. And you can look saved like everybody else. But do you got any oil? That's not good English. Do you have any oil? I'm sorry, my teacher's in here. I just got scolded. I seen, I seen you look at me, Miss Kim. I saw it. I saw it. Are you in possession of the oil? All right, all right. Now let's look at the second picture. Let's look at the second picture. 
we see not only a, a wedding occasion, but we see a working opportunity. Look at this. Look at this. This is good. <clears throat> he said, this is what it's going to be like too. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and un, uh, another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. We know Jesus is the man. He's the one who's going and taking his journey, and this is what he's done. All right, this man, he took some of his servants, his slaves, and the word servant here is doulos, it means a slave. And he gave each one of them, he gave each one of them talents or resources. Now, resources equals opportunity. Say that with me. Opportunities. He's given them opportunities that belong to him. All right. So they are being stewards. He has given them something to use, to bless, to benefit, to gain. In other words, to this servant, he said, I'm going to give you five because I believe you have the ability to handle this. You have the skills, you have the, the know-how, you have the, you, you're able to be responsible for five. Now, I want you to work this, and when I come back, I'm going to receive what you've done. And then to the next one, and then to the next one. All right, is everybody with me? Then he goes on his journey, and when he comes back, he's going to expect a return. Say that with me. He's going to expect a now, watch this. Watch this. This is, this is big. Look at this. The working opportunity. First of all, first of all, we see a reality. <clears throat> a reality. When Jesus went back to heaven to prepare us a place, he gave all of his servants responsibilities. We see in this a departing master, delegated ministers, and delivered means. He's given us all resources. Now, obviously, obviously, there's no question that there's some of us has got more opportunities than others. There's some of us that have more abilities than others. There's some of us that have more talents than others. There's some of us that have more skills than others. Everybody's not equal in that way. All right. Uh, I get that. And I understand that. And we should. Just because somebody else gets to do something or has the ability to do something, don't get sideways because you don't. This is, this is not equal. Everybody, I don't care what everybody said, everybody said, you can be anything you want. No, you can't. No, you can't. I will never be an NFL linebacker. It is not in the genes. It is not in my DNA. I don't care how hard I work. It does not matter. I will not make it. Okay? God knows our ability. God knows the skills. You say, how does he know? Because he's the one that gave them to you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So Jesus has gone to heaven and he's distributed to every single servant. Every single servant, a, 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 a certain amount of skills and resources that he wants us to use. He wants us to produce with. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now look at this. Secondly. We see the reality, then the responsibility. Verse 15. And unto one he gave five, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability. And then he straightway took his journey. Two things under that you need to understand. God knows what we can handle. The awareness of the master. God knows what we can handle. God knows how much responsibility to put on us. 
God knows how much expectation to have for everybody in here. Where much is given, what? Much is required. We see the awareness of the master. He knows. But then the abilities of the minister. The abilities of the minister. God's given us all an ability. You may not can preach, but there's something you can do. There's something you are responsible for doing. Then we see the reaction. See. The reality, the responsibility. Then verse 16 through 18, the reaction. Look what they did. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them. And by the way, by the way, traded there, traded away. The way it's worded, it almost sounds like it almost sounds like he just went and made one transaction and boom, he doubled it. But that's not what that means. The word traded here means toiled, labored and kept on trading. In other words, he used what the master gave him and kept on working, kept on laboring with it, kept on toiling, kept on trading. He made this little profit, then he put that profit and he made another arrangement and took some more and went on. And by the time, by the time the master came back, he had doubled his resources. If that makes sense, amen. And the same with the second one. They labored, they worked, they utilized, they pursued the opportunities that was given to them. We see the, rea- the reaction. Two different things. You have a laboring Christian, verses 16 and 17. And then look at verse 18. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. He did nothing. So we have a laboring Christian and number two, what? A Oh, I lost some of you. I lost some of you. We have a laboring Christian and a lazy counterfeit. So why are you calling him lazy? Because the master called him lazy. Wicked and slothful. Slothful means lazy. A counterfeit. Some of y'all are going to utilize the opportunities God's given you. And some of you won't. But know this, know this. Verse 19, after a long time, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. I want you to see, D, there's going to be a reckoning one day. There's going to be a reckoning one day. Three things we see in this verse, a prolonged absence. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, right? And his disciples are expecting the kingdom to be set up right away. In other words, they're expecting in a matter of hours or a matter of days or even in a matter of weeks that that Jesus is going to come back. But the point that Jesus is making here, it's going to be a long time. And by the way, it's been a long time since Jesus said this. And because it's been a long time, scoffers are saying, where is it? You said it, there's been preachers that year after year after year after year after year, they've said it, but where is the promise of his coming? Mm Mm-hmm. There's a prolonged absence, but I promise you this, number two, there's a promised arrival. He's coming. He's extended his stay, but he's coming. They don't believe it, but he's coming. Many aren't looking for it, but he's coming. There is a promised arrival. But then number three, say it with me. There's a precise accounting. There's going to be a reckoning one day. 
Romans 14, 11 says, for it is written as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. First Corinthians four, one and two. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. E, we see the reward, verse 20 through 23. When the reckoning took place, the master, he said, all right, what do you have to show for it? What did you do with what I gave you? The first one came and said, look what I did. I took the five you gave me and gained five more. Look what it says in verse 21. His Lord said unto him, well done. Say it with me. Well, that'll sound good one day, won't it? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful. There's the key word, faithful. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And by the way, the one with the two, he heard the same thing. He didn't have to, watch this now, he didn't have to gain the same as the five. He just had to be faithful. (laughs) The reward, he received praise from the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. He received a promotion from the master. He said, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. In other words, the resources I gave you is nothing compared to what I'm going to give you. Then he received permission to enter into the kingdom Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then we see the repercussion. The repercussion. Everybody's not going to be faithful. The man came and said, listen, I scared. But, But in all reality, he was lazy. He was lazy. And this, listen, there is proof in these verses that prove that he was, he was not a legitimate servant to begin with. He had, he had a totally warped view of the master to the point he lied and said the master was crooked and dishonest. The master said, if you think that, he said, you think that you think I straw or I reap where I don't sow you, you, you think all of these things. And even if you did think that you should have went and at least got interest from the usury. Are y'all with me? But look what happens. Look what he says to him. There's a rebuke. Thou wicked and slothful servant. There's a removal. Take therefore the talent from him. What you do have, you're going to lose. Then there's a rejection. There's a rejection. It says, cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Preacher, what are you saying? Two were saved. One was lost. Now everybody look at me. Everybody look. We're almost done. We're almost done. Now we know what distinguished, we know what distinguished the 10 or the five foolish and the five wise, right? It was the the presence of oil, right? It was the presence of oil. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit. But look at the, look at the separation here. Look at the separation here. You have two servants who are faithful and busy. 
They're faithful and busy. They're working. They're laboring. Their faith, now stay with me, please. Stay with me. Stay with me. Their faith has motivated them to serve. They are not, now stay with me, they're not serving to get saved. They're serving because they are saved. Because the goodness of God in their life and the goodness of their master, they want to please the master and they are busy. They are laboring. They are faithful. They are committed. But then you have somebody that won't do nothing. He's lazy. He's slothful. He doesn't want to serve. He doesn't want to get involved. He doesn't want to do anything for the kingdom. You can't motivate him. You can't bribe him. You can't beg him. Now, both of them claim to be servants. You know what? There's people in this room right now. There's people in this room right now. I got to put, I got to put reins on them because they want to do, they want to go. Preacher, give me something to do. Give me somewhere to go. Listen, let me serve. Let me be a part of it. I want to be involved. And listen, it's great. But then there's people in here. You can't beg them. You can't plead with them. You can't bribe them. You can't prime. Dynamite ain't going to get them out to sea. Now, I have to really question that. I have to really question if your faith is not strong enough to motivate you to do something for the kingdom of God. If your faith can't even get you to church, how's it going to get you to heaven? I'm not saying works for faith. I'm saying a faith that works. Nobody has to beg me to come to church. Nobody has to say, oh, come on, please. You don't have to, you don't have to get a better, you don't have to get a, a, a better playground. You don't have to get better music. I don't care if we're singing a cappella. There's times we didn't have no music at all, and I was still glad to be here. No, my faith works. My faith motivates me. My faith makes me want to do something for the kingdom, for what he's done for me. If you have no motivation, if you have no desire to serve, if you have no faithfulness in your service to God, you might want to check your faith. Make your calling and election sure. What's the conclusion? What's the conclusion? Here's the point. Our readiness. You remember, here's the question. Are we ready? Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Say it. Say it. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Our readiness is going to be determined by two things. The oil we possess. And the opportunities we pursue. Now look at me. Don't be wrapping up nothing. Look at me. I'm already over time, so I'm going to use it. Everybody look at me up on the shelf. Help me. Everybody, wave at me if you can hear me. Wave at me. Come on, I don't know you're paying attention. Come on, everybody, wave at me. There we go. Now watch. Are you ready? He's coming. He's coming. Do you have the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit? Are you convicted when you do wrong? 
Do you have the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the guide that he has sent? Do you know? Do you have oil? Secondly, are you pursuing opportunities that God has given you? Being wicked and slothful doesn't mean you're not a faithful Christian. It means you're not a Christian at all. Everybody in the world claims to be a Christian. But if you have no motivation to serve God, you're not a Christian. You're just religious. Immediately they went out. Immediately they begin to toll. Immediately they begin to labor. Immediately they begin to trade. They wanted to please their master. Are you serving God? Well, I don't really serve. I'm just, I'm just, that's just not me. You're probably not saved. Are you ready? I tell you what, you're trying to make me doubt my salvation. I'm wondering if you got salvation. You have no desire whatsoever to serve God in any capacity. To me, read it. Thou wicked and slothful. He doesn't say you're going to have to get a backseat on the bus in glory. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, well, you're going to be last in line to get into heaven. No, he says, cast them into outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's hell, y'all. Are you ready? If you're not, today's the day.